Research by Potomac and the Conquer Risk Podcast welcome you to this launch day special. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and today is launch day. This has been a long time coming, and you've already by now have read the press release, hopefully. And today we are launching our newest product called Research by Potomac. This all was born years ago where, you know, we're heavy on content here. We, we want to put out as much content as possible. And at the time, you know, we were lagging on the investment management content because it was really just me putting out monthly updates for advisors. And so when we're looking to build out the lineup at Potomac and the breadth of our staff, we had to bring someone in that, that had the chops to put out content on a regular basis. And that happened last year. We brought in Dan Russo, who has a long track record of, of putting out content and uh, a group of subscribers and followers that, that follow uh, his work on a daily basis. And we started putting out the Daily Note, which is essentially every single morning uh, we're out there talking about our views on the market, our thoughts about what's going on, market breadth, um, relationships between uh, different sectors of the market, et cetera. The, the list goes on. And this hit a nerve in the industry. We had a lot of positive feedback. People loved getting the content, following us, and a light bulb went off. We said, you know, this is something that the advisor industry, advisory industry, excuse me, uh, is yearning for. Uh, it's not a sales-based content. There, there's not a content with a, with a number at the end of it to call to use our products. Uh, it's just content for content's sake. We're here to educate, uh, make sure advisors know who we are, and this was just such a hit that we said, you know what, we have to package this in a way where advisors can consume it across the country, whether you're at a wire, you're independent, it doesn't matter. Uh, we want to put this in your hands because we feel like we have a, a pretty good talent here on producing great content. That was followed up by, by adding Drew Wells to the team, uh, another person who has a great following uh, in terms of producing content, and Research by Potomac was born. This is a monthly subscription. Uh, we use a community-based software to consistently push out uh, the content. You can set up notifications uh, to make sure you're on top of when these things are created. And the most important thing that we wanted to hammer home is this is content from people that manage money. Uh, this is uh, our research and development, our laboratory for, for everything we put out on the investment side, but it starts in research. And we wanted to make sure that the essence of that was, was always going to be there. And we're, we're super excited about this. Uh, and so with me today, I have Dan Russo, Andrew Wells, and we're going to dive through the, the pieces of uh, this service, step-by-step, uh, step, we'll, uh, and discuss what we're offering, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, it, it's a hit as much as the current content is. So first and foremost, Dan Russo, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, Manish. How are you? Good. Really what do you got for us? To, uh, to be launching today. Yeah, just uh, I think you hit on a lot of good points in relation to, to content, but in particular, content coming from people who actually manage money. You know, I've spent a lot of time reading research, um, kind of consuming uh, a lot of different types of analysis that's out there, whether it's technical, quantitative, fundamental. And a lot of times what I feel is missing is the how do I make money here aspect of it or, or what does this mean uh, you know, for markets or for sectors or for industries going forward. So that's really our focus here is you know, taking the, the research that we're doing on a daily basis, conversations that you and I have, conversations that Drew and I have, and packaging it in a way um, that advisors who are also managing money for clients uh, can utilize it and make informed decisions based on you know what's going on in the marketplace. I mean, you know, 
we have a, a weekly scanning report that Drew does a great job on, and he can touch on it uh, a lot further. Uh, just kind of looking at different areas of the market, uh, different um, industry groups, sectors, uh, global regions and countries and identifying kind of what are the prevailing trends, how likely are they to persist? And more importantly, you know, what's the actionable idea when it comes to putting money to work? So that's the angle that we're coming to this from, you know, money managers who are producing research for other money managers and putting content out there uh, that's actually usable and, you know, more than just like, hey, this is what's happening. It's like, this is what's happening and here's what it means. And also putting a lot of data and numbers behind it. So um, I guess we could kick it over to Drew to start out with uh, what we're doing with our scanning reports every Monday. Yeah, absolutely. So our Monday scan kind of sets the stage for a lot of the work that we do the rest of the week. In fact, um, one of the things that you'll see uh, in the work going forward is uh, as we produce reports for the um, going into the week, we actually reference back to a lot of uh, uh, the areas that we cover that Dan mentioned, uh, global regions, U.S. Uh, equities and factors, fixed income and countries. And we look at a lot of technical developments um, over a lot of different time frames, both on an absolute and a relative basis. Right. So we recognize that, uh, number one, not all clients are the same. Not all advisors are the same. Um, there's a lot of. Um, clients out there, particularly institutional clients that advisors work with that have to have certain mandates, right? So you have clients that have to have a certain equity allocation or a certain fixed income allocation. So with respect to that, you know, what are the opportunity set uh, opportunity sets and, and also the risks uh, within that as well? I think there's a lot of um, research that we've all seen where, you know, uh, providers will pump out, you know, a lot of just really great looking you know, long ideas, but don't cover any opportunities, you know, major uh, holdings that are in a lot of client portfolios, right, that might be uh, uh, developing some some risk within those uh, positions. So we do a pretty good job of covering um, asset classes, both on an absolute and a relative basis. And again, we kind of link back to that, um, you know, in a lot of our other reports, and it kind of sets the stage for uh, the week going forward. And Dan, you had uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure that you addressed was the the monthly chart book. Uh, I think that there's so much that goes into that in terms of pre and post production. What do you got with that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. The monthly chart book uh, on the first trading day of every month, we are going to roll out uh, a big report uh, looking at you know well over a hundred charts across different asset classes, across different geographies. Look, we recognize that a lot of investors and a lot of advisors come to the world with a very long-term view, right? So just kind of taking a step back, I think it's easy to get caught up in the noise, especially you know if you're active on social media, if you're paying attention, watching CNBC or Bloomberg, reading the Financial Times, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day whipsaws, the day-to-day -day back and forth with what's going on in the market. And a lot of times, and this is really important for advisors, is that could be a detriment to achieving long-term goals. So we like to take a step back every month and just say, hey, here's what's going on from a big picture trend perspective you know, across different asset classes, whether it's, you know, within within equities or within fixed income, uh, you know, commodities and, you know, even currencies for where it makes sense and the, and the uh, impact that they could have on the other asset classes. So the first day of every month, the monthly chart book will come out, just kind of a broad, big picture view, you know, kind of taking a step back and looking at what's happening across those different asset classes. So uh, yeah, a lot of work goes into it. Um, but, you know, it's more than just a, a chart with, hey, here's the S&P 500 and it's going up, right? We're, we're putting some analysis behind it uh, from a trend perspective and kind of handicapping, you know, when certain dynamics are in place, 
what that means for, for the month going forward or for the next three months going forward so that advisors can make informed decisions uh, within their client portfolio. So that's uh, look for that on the first trading day of every month. It'll be out today, actually. It's more than a chart. It's more than just a chart. I want to take it from here because one of the things that we're going to add to this is called Mythbusters. And essentially, when you're out there in the world and you're you know, going to the clickbait headlines of CNBC or whoever, and you see things like the Hindenburg Omen or the Death Cross and all these other things, what does that mean, actually? No one ever act, will go in there and do the data and go back and say, well, how does the market perform after this Death Cross? Uh, does it go down for a week or two weeks and then rally? Like These things we want to dive into so you can make actionable decisions. And so with myth with Mythbusters, we are going to be able to take uh, these different, um, uh, what we call TA lore, and and test them and and put some some details behind them. And so, Drew, with that, you had something on uh, small cap uh, deep dives or small cap updates. What do you got? Yeah, so our small cap notes, pretty interesting, comes out every Wednesday. Um, and I think Dan mentioned a really good point about something that you'll see in all of our notes, not just the small cap or the Monday scans, is a lot of data and information behind um, a lot of the uh, reports that uh, in developments that we present. So uh, our, our small cap deep dive is a little bit of an extension of the Monday note. We use a very similar framework within our scans to um, look at developments that have happened, uh, both in the small cap sector. We do a lot of breadth work, actually, in the small cap space. And we test that breath work, right? So we don't just say, well, you know, we have new lows or new, new highs over a certain time frame, and that's bullish or bearish. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gone in on a scan, um, you know, no matter which report it is. And um, the opposite of what you thought would happen uh, uh, historically has, has happened, which is pretty interesting. So we look at small cap sectors, do a lot of small cap uh, breadth work in there, a lot of data, a lot of information. And um, one of the things we've added recently is a relative rotation graph. Again, I mentioned uh, earlier in the Monday scan about um, different types of investors. And there are investors out there that have to have um, certainly a, a certain allocation to small caps. I know that from working with institutional clients at a, at a previous firm. Um, so we've got a little bit of something in there for everybody. Uh, and it's a pretty interesting report. Okay. Well, speaking of deep dives, Dan, uh, you uh, have been working on something called the sector deep dive, which which I love out of the the list. Uh, what do you got with that? Yeah, I think the sector deep dive note is really interesting because I think uh, a term that gets thrown around a lot is sector rotation. You certainly heard it a lot uh, throughout 2021 and the early stages of 2022 here. But I think that a lot of times what's happening on the surface of the sector level can be deceiving. And this actually uh, is prevalent in a sector like consumer discretionary, uh, right? The consumer discretionary sector um, is 40% Amazon and Tesla, right? So if you look at just something like XLY, the ETF that tracks the consumer discretionary sector, that's going to be highly influenced by those two stocks, right? So if, you know, if those two stocks are, are acting poorly, uh, the consumer discretionary sector on a surface level is not going to look that great. However, what we like to do is that for every sector, drill down to the different industry groups and even sub-industry groups to get a deeper understanding of what's happening, right? Is the consumer discretionary really under pressure or is just Amazon under pressure, right? And that's two totally different pieces of information. So as, as advisors and investors are thinking about allocating capital to certain areas of the U.S. equity market, right, it, it pays to take a deeper dive into what's going down at the sector level. And that also speaks to breadth as well. Right. You know, because Drew mentioned breath and what we look at 
in terms of the traditional breath metrics. However, if you take a deeper dive on every one of the sectors, you can get a better understanding on the health of the market. Again, right? Is the market unhealthy, right? Or is the sector unhealthy? Or is there one big stock within the market or within the sector that's kind of giving this deceiving picture of what's going on? So we'll drill down there. Another thing that's interesting is that we recognize that people still like to pick stocks, right? A lot, you know, the world has kind of gone passive uh, is, is the phrase that gets thrown around a lot. But a lot of the people that I talk to are, are always still looking for stock ideas. So by drilling down twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to the sector level, uh, we can get a sense for the different trends in the industry groups. And then within those trends, what are some of the interesting ideas out there? Uh, what are the names that are acting well? What are the names that are acting poorly within a certain group, within a certain uh, industry or sector of the market? So uh, you know, for that, it you know, starts out at a high level. Here's what the sector is doing. And then we drill down from there. What are the different industry groups doing both on their own and relative to the broader sector? And then you know, within the strong industry groups, you know, here's two or three stocks that might look interesting. And within the weak industry groups, here's a couple of stocks that you might want to avoid or manage risk, right? We, we're always talking about conquering risk, I think. And Drew brought up a good point. Everybody talks about long ideas, but not enough people talk about, hey, here's what you should be avoiding. So that's kind of the deep dive work that we're doing with those sector uh, with those sector notes twice a week. OK, and the last couple of pieces that we put out were um, uh, a lot of it was around intermarket analysis. And so I know at least personally, you know, my investment philosophy is built on top of the themes uh, revolving uh, around intermarket analysis. And, and we do a lot of work and we talk about it a lot. So uh, cross asset trends is an interesting uh, part of the research that we're putting on. Dan, you want to touch on that? Yeah, I think intermarket analysis and that note comes out every Friday uh, is really interesting um, because it kind of gives you a sense for what's happening under the surface of the market. A lot of people talk about the market, right? And they're usually talking about the S&P 500. But the market is so much more than just the U.S. equity market and, you know, the 500 or 505 stocks that make up the S&P 500, right? There's, there's international markets. There's fixed income. There, there's commodities, right? And all of those different asset classes are competing for investor capital. And Drew brought up relative strength earlier. And that's really what the focus is. You know, for a long time now, I think equity investors have been spoiled, uh, you know, especially U.S. equity investors. They've been the best game in town. It's been an easy decision to just kind of own U.S. equities and be underweight everything else. But what happens when that changes? What happens when you run into a situation where commodities start to do well? What happens if you run into a situation where stocks outside of the U.S. are outperforming relative to uh, you know, the S&P 500 or something like the Russell 3000? So those are trends that we're identifying. But more importantly, we do recognize that most investors will stay focused with on U.S. equities. So we can take it deeper, right? So a lot of people will talk about the fact that commodities are beginning to outperform relative to equities. Well, within the equity market, what does that mean? Does that mean you just run away from equities altogether? Probably not. When commodities are outperforming and when certain criteria are met, right, it stands to reason that different pockets of the U.S. equity market will do better than other areas of the equity market. So you know, investors who are making informed decisions based on data can start to skew their portfolios into the areas of the equity market that tend to do well when commodities are outperforming and away from the pockets of the market that tend to uh, do poorly uh, when that situation plays out. You know, same thing as, as it relates to, uh, you know, outside the U.S., right? A lot of people lump the rest of the world together. The rest of the world is big, right? Um, you know, right now we are starting to see a pickup in international stocks relative to 
the US, but but where is that taking place, right? It's taking place in Europe. It's not taking place as much, uh, you know, in the Asia Pacific region. So, you know, identifying those trends and then taking it down deeper and more importantly, putting the data behind it. What does this mean for different groups and different asset classes? That's the key focus of that note. You know, I like to always come back to the question like, but why, right? But why? Every statement that's out there, like, but why? What does it mean? What does it actually mean for my portfolio for future returns? And I think a lot of these reports are going to uh, touch on that and dive deep into that. The last one is my favorite. It's uh, called uh, Know What You Own. This is going to be on a monthly basis. Uh, Dan touched upon it earlier about an ETF having all uh, uh, Amazon and Tesla. Uh, many people don't dig down into the holdings, right? For example, right now, uh, the the news du jour is ARC and people who love Kathy Wood and ARC on the upside, you know, if you dig down into what she owns on the innovation side, you know, those stocks are getting slaughtered. And so it's important for advisors out there as they put together portfolios to understand what's inside of these ETFs. Uh, I know, Dan, you're going to be doing a lot of this work uh, in terms of know what you own. What are your two cents here? No, I think you, I think you hit on it. You know, you, it's, I think it's really important to understand what goes into a fund uh, that you're putting in your own or, or within a client portfolio, especially, right? We touched on it earlier with discretionary, right? If you buy XLY, are you making a bet on consumer discretionary? Are you, or are you making a concentrated bet on Amazon and Tesla, right? That's two different pieces of information, right? Understanding what goes into the funds, understanding that not all of these funds are the same just because they have similar names, right? Not all growth funds are created equal. Not all value funds are created equal quality. Take your factor, right? Um, you know, there's different funds out there. So drilling down and understanding the kind of the below the surface level investment that you're making uh, when you allocate capital to some of these funds, I think is really important. Um, you know, are you know if you own one of the ARK funds, I guess the flagship fund, right? ARKK. I mean, you know, what what bet are you making? A lot of people think you're making a bet on Tesla. Well, well, Tesla's been okay, right? It turns out that the bet you've been making is on you know unprofitable, you know, high potential growth companies uh, that have fallen out of favor. So understanding that when you're going in, right? Hopefully, you know, not after the fact. I think is an important uh, element for advisors to consider. Uh, when they're putting client capital to work. And this was an eye opener for me when at one point I was digging into the financials and it was it was crazy how, you know, what, what you thought was included as a financial versus a tech stock or consumer discretionary or whatever it may be. It's all over the place. And it's hard to sometimes classify these based on their uh, categories or their or their GICS sector uh, classification. So uh, th this is I think this is going to be a fun part of the research because you know, advisors typically allocate to a mutual fund and ETF, and sometimes you don't really know what you're getting. You know, if you just go on the fee and the performance and the category, you, you may not get the exposure that you actually want. So, uh, listen, we're, we're pumped about this product because it's everything that we love, everything we do on a daily basis, and we're putting it out there for the rest of the advisors to consume. So, you know, it'll it'll be available. It'll be a monthly product, a paid premium product. You'll see all the all the news around it, and and hopefully you, uh, you give us a try. There'll be a free trial, uh, so you can test drive it for a little bit before you have to commit. Uh, and, and we're here to, to support it and, and obviously let us know if you have any questions when it comes down to the research by Potomac product. Before we end here, we, know, we always like to go to recommendations. So let's start with Drew. What do you got, sir? 
Um, I have Charlotte, Charlotte's Web CBD uh, oil, and uh, in full disclosure, I was a complete CBD skeptic. Like I, I made fun of CBD, and I thought it was a joke. And um, you know, because I think at first it was hyped as like a cure all and everything. And um, you know, over time, I'd had uh, some reputable uh, folks in my life uh, suggest it, and um, I have actually had both of my feet uh, surgically. Uh, repair to have a lot. I've got plates and screws and bone grafts and all that type of stuff. So I'm a heavy, I was a heavy ibuprofen user, right? And if you use a lot of ibuprofen, if you have joint problems or something, you know, that can create some issues for you. So um, CBD's really helped uh, me with my joint, uh, joint pain and my feet. Um, you know, it helps for a lot of things. I know people that really struggle um, with anxiety have, have uh, had some really good results with it. Um, I know people that have trouble sleeping that have had some really good results with it. Now it's not going to cure everything. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to wake up the next day and win the lottery just because you took CBD oil and your life is going to change and things like that. So uh, it is a little bit pricey um, depending on how much you use. But if you have, have been a skeptic, I was as skeptical um, as a person can be. And, you know, here I am recommending it uh, for all the world to see. So, And, and by CBD, he means THC. Um, and so, uh, Dan, uh, what do you got on your list? I guess we're going to keep it in the sin category for, uh, for this show. I'm going with the <laughs> Coravon. Coravon is a gadget that goes on top of a wine bottle. Uh, it has a needle that you press down through the cork. All right. Then you press a button and it releases argon gas into the bottle. And then when you tilt the bottle, you can pour out, uh, one glass of wine. So if, if you, you know, enjoy having a glass of wine with, uh, with dinner, or you have a nice bottle of wine, you want to taste one glass and not necessarily open the bottle and feel like you have to finish it because it's going to go bad quickly. Uh, the Corvon is, uh, is a great, uh, is a great pickup for, uh, for yourself. If you're a wine lover for the wine lover in your life, uh, I'm a big fan. Um, the argon gas capsules do run out pretty quickly. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's been a great, uh, great addition to the home bar. <laughs> a recommendation for the six people in the country who don't finish the entire bottle in one sitting. <laughs> um, well done, sir. Um, uh, my recommendation is a place called Gold Belly. Um, based on my girth, I, I like to eat, as you know, and I've been giving this out to people as birthday presents at Potomac. I need to switch it up this year. But essentially, this took off during COVID. Some of the best restaurants in the country got together uh, and, and partnered up with Gold Belly so they can send out some of their signature dishes. Uh, and you can order them from all over the country. It's phenomenal. I, I, you know, it's better than just your local takeout. It comes frozen. It can serve, you know, you can get a whole family or, or a small serving size and even some specialty cakes as well. You know, you can order a cheesecake from Brooklyn and you can order, you know, tacos from san antonio it's all over the place um or you can just go to brooklyn yeah of course um it, it's phenomenal i try it out um and and i'll give momofoco's uh, uh braised uh shoulder is the the best meal on it personally at least so um that's all we got today thank you for joining us you know this is a huge day for us with the product launch You'll hear more and more news about it. And if you have any questions, you know how to reach us. Please like, subscribe, and stay engaged. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.